Fontana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass. Caught by Clark. Clark got a touchdown. Troy Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. You're now listening to the 4th and Gold Podcast with Javi and Matt. Welcome to the 4th and Gold Podcast. We are back with a midweek episode. Um, a lot of things have happened. We got some pads on. We got people hitting each other. We got people fighting. Dislocated fingers. What's going on, Matt? A lot less than that, man. <laughs> um, no, yeah, you, you, you nailed it. The, the Niners put the pads on and, and it got real, real quick. So excited to see them come out of it relatively healthy. So, you know, a couple guys banged up and bruised, but tomorrow, um, as you record this on Tuesday night, tomorrow, Wednesday is their day off. So hopefully everybody can ice up, take their Motrin, hydrate and be ready to go. Yeah. The whole military, uh, remedy, uh, Motrin and hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> and they got to change their socks. Oh, I don't miss those days. Um, you can find the Fourth and Go podcast on all podcast platforms: Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, I, uh, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. And then follow the podcast on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. Um, we have an interview at the end of this uh, when me and Matt are done talking. We're having an interview with Tyler Dunn, the author of the most recent Bleacher Report article on the 49ers, so stay tuned for that, or just skip right forward, right to that, like most of y'all did with the Adam Snyder interview anyways, so um, that's that's a good listen, uh, that'll be at the end of this, um, but Matt, how you feeling about camp so far? You know, I'm, I'm feeling alright, it's just the first couple practices, so, you know, like we talked about off-air, we're expecting the defense to kind of win, but the defense is dominating so far, and all three quarterbacks have struggled against this defensive line, and by you know by virtue they've also struggled against the secondary and i love it actually yeah it's it's, it's definitely I'm here a for a dominant defense again i want to see this d-line just be as disruptive as possible um you know jimmy had a not great day today you know 5 of 14 isn't what you want to see out of your 137 million dollar quarterback but again it comes down to the defense was just playing so well yeah and that's that's a plus you know and usually at this time in camp um you know, it's not time to panic or anything like that. Usually the defense is ahead of the offense. Defense, the calls are a little bit um, simplified for the defense as opposed to the offense where it's more of a rhythm-based and, you know, Jimmy's coming back off his injury and he does have new wide receivers and weapons to throw to. So timing and things like that may be off. And then also his offensive line is a little banged up. No Western Richburg. Josh Garnett has been, you know, missing. Um, so, they're you know, they're working through things. So there's nothing too too concerning. Um but my guy Richie James has showed up twice mm-hmm. in both back-to-back padded practices. I'm, I'm rooting for Richie James to make this squad. And, you know, in our most recent 53-man projection, he did make it for me. And um, you know, Jalen Hurd, right after I had mentioned his blocking skills, uh, he goes and does it, and he starts fighting. And it's it's um, it's kind of what we kind of what I expected from Jalen. 
Yeah, Shanahan uh, did a really good job to touch on uh, Jalen Hurd. Um, but to back up real quick, I'm okay if Richie James does really well. People like to tag me in Richie James stuff when he does really well and act like I'm going to be me. upset that he's playing well. <laughs> and it's not the case. I'm rooting for the kid. I want him to be good. I want I want the 49ers to be as good as they can be. So let's not exactly. get it twisted. I'm not rooting against anyone. Um, yeah, we're here for everybody. I'm, I'm perfectly fine admitting when I'm wrong. I will gladly eat crow if Richie James turns out to be the player that everybody wanted him to be out of college. Um, yeah, we're, we're here for that. But to fast forward back to Jalen Hurd, uh, Shanahan had a great point, and Jalen Hurd is going to get under people's skin, and that's going to be his game, and his game is going to be to just irk the defense and goad them into 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalties. And what he needs to learn to do is to take a step back, and I believe the exact quote was, wave at them while they're getting ejected and while we're getting 15 yards. So I love where Shanahan's coming with that. And, you know, Jalen Hurd's young. He's going to learn. But I'm, I'm excited for the feistiness that he's bringing. Yeah, the Niners need an edge, and they're getting that with guys like Hurd, Debo. You know, Sherman looks back to health. Fred Warner's a little more confident. Quan, you know, he's been known to be – you know, a hype guy on the on the defensive side, and you got you know you got guys like Ford, Bosa, and Buckner looks to be great. The, the defense and the offense need to have some physicality or just some some umph behind them, and it looks like we are getting that back with this team. They were you know a lot of, a lot of people refer to the Niners as soft, and it looks like um, they're they're going to be a little more physical, even with their you know flashy offense and things like that. But I think they're not going to be punched in the mouth anymore, or be punked. I think they got players that are going to punk right back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, on both sides of the ball, and that's that's really yep. what you want to see. Because um, I mean, for so many years, this team after you know after the, the the championship game loss in Seattle, I feel like the whole team just kind of took like a nosedive um, when it came to edge, and yeah. you know because Crabtree left, and Crabtree was that guy on offense to an extent. And I know he's had his chain snatched by Aki Talib a couple times, but you know he was that guy that played with that edge, and it was that that attitude guy. So yeah, and you had Bolden as well with him. Yeah. Th- so. Those two together as wide receivers were just punch you in the mouth kind of guys. And I loved it. And, you know, since then we've kind of just seen this, man, the whole roster has just been kind of just, you said it, soft. And now I think they're finally getting their edge back. And I think they're buying into uncle Sherm's way, his mentality. And, you know, you'll hear more about that when, when the interview with Tyler plays, but, I'm here for it, and I'm really excited for this new edge that the team has. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's exciting right now to, to watch these clips and see what's going on in camp. Um, the other guy that you know we we brought up after the draft was our, our guy Dre Greenlaw. He's getting mm-hmm. first team reps. Um, you know, I had mentioned it. You know, that he was my most likely my favorite draft pick, and people looked at me funny or just texted me like, "What the heck?" But you know, so far so good. You know, we'll, we'll see. It's only been two padded practices and two non-padded practices so you know it's still early he can you know he, there may be a learning curve there still with him but you know from all accounts he's in the backfield he's making plays um he's reacting rather quickly on on things um so I, i'm excited for him and you know if that means you know you have a cheaper player and it gives you a little more flexibility down the road to add additional players with his contract status as opposed to a malcolm smith um things like that so I, i'm i'm all, all on board with the dre greenlaw um Hype train. Hopefully, he he becomes our starting Sam, or you know can can take the place of Quan if Quan's not ready for the for the year to start. Yeah, when we did our fifty three man breakdown, I had him listed as one of the starters. 
Um, and then I had, you know, the backups being Inzacha, Elijah Lee, and David Mayo. So I'm I'm all for the Dre Greenlaw hype train too. I'm I'm a big fan of him. Um, it, you know, he started off OTAs, the first play of OTAs, he made a tackle for a loss, and then the first day of padded practice, he makes a tackle for a loss. And they're saying that he's just you can tell how in tune he is with with Shanahan's offense, that he's putting himself in position to make plays. Now he may he may not he may not make the tackle every time, but yeah. he's putting himself in a position to let other guys flock to the ball. If you get in front of Matt Brady, you get in front of Tevin Coleman, you get in front of, you know, Whatever, whatever else running back, whatever the running backs most or whoever else they're trotting out right now because it's camp and there's so many different bodies. Um, but you get in front of those guys, you can cause them to change direction. And with the speed this defense is going to play with this year, that's going to be big. Just getting in front of guys and causing them to change direction so that they can kind of, like I said, all flock to the ball. Yeah, you know that's that's what you want though. You know it does it. It could be a team effort. It could be a collective. It doesn't have to be. One guy with you know twenty tackles in the game, you could be a collective effort um, on this defense as long as the tackles are being made and um, you know going with this wide nine a little bit more so, or maybe they're not going double wide. Maybe it's just one one side is wider than the other, where you have you know a, a six technique on one side and a nine on the other. You know that way you have some balance instead of having two wide nines on either side like the Eagles and Eagles did back in the day, um, where they can get gash and run in the run game. So maybe that's how they do it. Um, it's, uh, it's exciting, man. I just, there's just so much going on. The big, you know, the other one is Akella Witherspoon. You know, he's already got two interceptions in, in camp. Um, he's breaking on the ball. He looks to be rather confident. Um, I think the whole team as a whole looks rather confident. Um, and you'll hear that as well, um, with Tyler, uh, coming up here in a few minutes. But, um, everything that I've seen, it looks like a confident team, a team that has, uh, an urgency about them you know they they want to win they want to win now they want to get get after it and prove to the world that you know the last couple of years were just injuries they were they're a good team and they're they're on the right track yeah speaking of Kelly Weatherspoon um so the day after Jalen Hurd gets uh gets into fisticuffs with Anton Exum and uh Dante Johnson Akella Witherspoon intercepted a pass intended for Jalen Hurd in one-on-ones which is designed for the wide receiver to win mind you and Akella mm-hmm. won this won this matchup and then he kind of just tossed the ball back to her like here you go now you can have it <laughs> and that's the kind of edge I'm looking for in this team I love it oh I love that highlight because the wide receiver group in the secondary are I think to me the two biggest wide open competitions that the yeah. team has and if these guys are going to get snippy and they're going to get chippy and they're going to get just into it with each other i hope it brings out the best in both groups and i think if they can get a little bit of like it's dbs versus wide receivers this is how it's going to be they can get that mentality i think we're going to see the best from this group yeah it's 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 i'm, I'm ready man we hurry up football it's almost here um you know it's it's akello that 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 right there you know that's what we needed we haven't had that in a while you know that that edge with you know just shoving the ball throw the ball right back in somebody's face like look it's mine now. You come get it from me. So um, I like that. And Akello, you know, Akello's been accused of being kind of soft and not wanting to stick his nose in there. But there's plenty of examples of him doing, you know, doing that. And for him to do that, get that pick on Hurd, you know, Hurd who put a, you know, he painted a target on his back with what he did a couple of days ago. Um, it, the DBs are taking offense to it and they're, they're putting him on notice. And I, I like that. They're going to make everybody better that way. Everyone's 
flying to the ball from all accounts. Um, everyone's doing what they need to do. And the other guy, Jason Verrett, he's, he looks good out there from all everything that I've seen and talking to um, a couple folks who've been to camp. You know, he's moving well. He hasn't made any big plays, but he's moving well. He's staying with the wide receivers. You know, he's still working his way back from his Achilles. Um, so I, I think the Niners have, have done a very good job this offseason acquiring the talent, acquiring the depth. And uh, let's, man, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm 100% ready too. I also love that Jason Verrett changed his number to number two because <laughs> he was wearing 34, which was retired by the team. So big fan of the guy coming out wearing the college number. Um, yeah. And just that low single-digit corner. Um, I wish the NFL would allow that. I wish the NFL would just adopt kind of like the college number system because I think yeah. it's a lot of fun seeing guys in, in goofy numbers. Um, but, you know, yeah, he does look pretty good. The whole team as a whole is just it's really starting to gel and you know we, we expected this the first couple of days of practice gonna be a little rusty on both sides of the ball these guys haven't been together and played with pads on in well ever because you got new you got new free agents coming in you got new draft picks coming in this is the first time these guys are all getting together at once and man it's just nice to see it back and i'm yeah. just ready to keep this going the first game is what first preseason game is what the eighth yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're nine days away as we record right now. Nine days. Nine yeah, days until have... until 49ers football is back. Yeah, and then we have the Hall of Fame game this weekend. Is it this weekend? Sunday, right? I, I, th- I feel like it's Thursday. Is it, it Thursday? I have to check. I haven't, I haven't really looked. I'm not really that interested in uh, Falcons versus Broncos. But Yeah, the preseason know. games that don't involve the 49ers don't really concern me. <laughs> I watched a couple, that. but... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too too uh, concerned about it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. August first, so it is Thursday. Yeah, and so I'm glad we killed a lot of dead air there. Googling the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's the Broncos and Falcons, but um, you know, I'm ready for the season to start. Um, do you want to just give them this this interview with Tyler? Let's hit him, guys. Really enjoy this interview. Um, Tyler was a lot of fun to talk to, and and, and we bring up that people kind of. Uh, latched on to certain parts of the article that weren't the main story. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. A lot of great insight to the team. I mean, a lot of great insight into the the mentality of the 49ers right now. Definitely. We want to thank Tyler again uh, for joining us, and we want to thank everyone here for listening. Uh, Again, follow the podcast on Twitter at 4th and Gold Podcast, or you can follow myself at JavierVague underscore on Twitter. Um, And then, you know, subscribe, rate, review, share it, share it, share it. We appreciate all the listens. And Matt, go ahead and plug yourself, bro. I see. They're not allowed to follow me on Twitter. Damn. Okay. No, you got all the <laughs> followers, bro. Pass them along. Uh, yeah, at Matt Bar underscore. You know that you know the drill. Two T's, two R's underscore. And make sure you follow uh, Tyler. I know he plugs himself at the end, but it's at Ty T Y Dunn D U N N E. Yeah, do that. But until next time, I'll be back probably at the end of the week with another one. Um, but until next time, enjoy this. Enjoy the interview with Tyler. We'll see you on the other side. Peace. All right, so we are here with Tyler Dunn, the author of the Bleacher Report uh, article, uh, Can the 49ers Handle the Pressure? Uh, first, I want to say thank you to Tyler for joining us. And second, how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Hey, thanks so much for having me on to, uh, to talk about this. Uh, it's uh quite quite a season out there for, for the 49ers a lot, lot to get into definitely a lot to get into it's it's uh it's very exciting for 49 fans and 
just a lot of uh, material for writers like yourself to to pr- produce content. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there, there's no shortage there for sure. Yeah. So uh, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and start us off by plugging yourself? You know, who are you? What do you do? Obviously, you write for Bleacher Report, but what else can you tell us? Yeah, no doubt. Um, live in uh, Western New York, about 30, 40 minutes south of Buffalo, a uh, small town, Boston, New York, actually. And um, gosh, this is my fourth season at Bleacher Report. Just do uh, NFL features here, um, whole league. So kind of just parachute into you know, different different cities throughout throughout the season and the off season. Before that, I was uh, in Green Bay covering the Packers for about, I don't know, four and a half years at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Covered the Bills for a year at the Buffalo News, and from this uh, area to begin with. So, got a great to kind of live uh, where you grew up, and got married, have a baby on the way. So, a lot of exciting stuff going on. <laughs> I can attest to that. Kids are uh, fun. I got two of them, and they uh, <laughs> they don't get any easier when they get uh, a little bit older. So, I have a four year old and a seven month old, but they're uh, oh. drive me nuts. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I, I'm just bracing for for impact here and taking uh, any and all advice that you guys can offer. So we we can't wait. <laughs> best advice is just just roll with it man get out of bed daily and just just grind the kids will appreciate it uh they may not appreciate it right now but they'll appreciate it later but yeah you'll be fine man don't don't panic with other people you know they they put they give you all the nightmare stories no it's not that bad it really isn't right oh my god it's the best thing you can do in life you know it's not, i've never wanted anything more that's that's for sure congratulations on that as well thank you yeah so we'll jump into this 49er stuff now um, so I, I spent pretty much all off season trying to temper expectations. Um, cause I know we all got riding the hype train last year and then Jimmy goes down, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down week three and everything kind of just falls apart. And then you come along and you write this awesome article that pretty much says the team has super bowl or bust mentality. So just a general description, what's going on in Santa Clara right now? I think you just nailed it. You know, I, I guess the genesis for this all was just that general curiosity, you know, I mean, this is a team that I think a lot of folks have been sleeping on, you know, last year they had the hype going in with how Jimmy Garoppolo played at the end of the season before that. I mean, we all remember the NFL films when he like spoke that game winning drive into existence, Mm -hmm. you know, to the route, which was crazy. Um, And then it was like just the, all the air was sucked out of, out of the room with this team. And, and we all kind of forgot about them. And, you know, you, you look at it, this is a, a head coach and a general manager in year three. That's when you need to take the jump. Um, you're, you're talking about one of the best, if not the best play caller in the game, a GM, you know, that nobody really saw coming and, and John Lynch and the pressure of kind of going all in on, on, on the quarterback with a $137.5 million contract. So, I just was interested, like you guys, on where their mind was at going into this season. You know, what were the the general expectations? And sitting down with a handful of players and John Lynch himself, and, and talking to folks in the organization, it's it, it became clear right away that you know no more BS. You know, I mean verbatim, that's what they're saying. And, and then mm-hmm. Fred Warner kind of put it best. You know, this is Super Bowl or bust, and he didn't bat an eye. He said, absolutely, it is. That's what everybody's talking about. You know, I don't think Kyle Shanahan used those words in that meeting, but he basically said it's time to win. You know, enough is enough. And to me, that was just really refreshing because so often in this job, going from team to team to team, you're just, you're inundated with 
process and changing the culture and just all this crap that I just think just is just a word salad. You know, I mean, that's basically every press conference from every coach is just like, all right, enough's enough. So it was just refreshing to hear a team put this on themselves and say it's time to win, not be shy about it. You know, they take your cue from Shanahan. Yes. But, but Richard Sherman, I mean, to, to sit down with him was incredibly enlightening. And um, I, I guess that was the general takeaway. And, you know, on top of that, as we wrote, you obviously have, a little pressure now you know everybody that I talked to they didn't really see the friction between the coach and the GM you know as our Matt Miller reported but they do see you know a scouting department that is feeling a little marginalized and I think Kyle Shanahan said himself in his press conference that or maybe it was Lynch the change can be uncomfortable so I think you have that dynamic at play as well you know I'm kind of rambling here but all in all they have to win and they know it yeah, so you bring up the scout, and then and you know you spoke with the the anonymous scout who was from what I gathered from the the bulky era, and he's kind of a holdover from the last regime, and he didn't feel like his voice was being heard. Um, it just part of that come down to you know you got a, a rookie GM that comes in and he drafts a guy third overall that he had a leadership class with at Stanford, and and you know it seems more like favoritism than anything else. Yeah, I think. That definitely is uh, that. That definitely was a questionable pick, in, internally in in hindsight, for sure. I mean, now that we see what, what Patrick Mahomes has done, Deshaun Watson, and even Mitch Trubisky. I mean, if you have a rookie quarterback you believe in, my God, you can start just handing out the blank checks uh, to everybody. They could have done with with the LA Rams have done around Jared Goff. I mean, they got two mm-hmm. Super Bowl in three years. So, I mean, I think that's where you know, the, the first mistake probably was. Now, what the sense I got is that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and this is their first pick together. When you take a quarterback, I mean, you're instantly on the clock. I mean, your jobs are, are the countdown's on. I mean, if that player doesn't work out, you're probably done. So I think that Shanahan really believed that he could kind of get by with, with Brian Hoyer in the short term and was looking ahead to Kirk Cousins, looking ahead to maybe a Garoppolo trade looking ahead to other drafts and, and it just wasn't time. Now in retrospect, yeah, it was a bad pick, but even in the moment, I think that there were some folks there with the team that, you know, saw Solomon Thomas play. Remember he's in the backyard. So they had more eyes on him than anybody. And I think a lot of scouts just were like, yeah, he's, he's good. um, But he's not great. You know, this isn't a player that is worth that high of a pick. You know, I'm sure we're getting into it, but Solomon Thomas is a whole other story on itself, but but yeah, that was, um, you know, it kind of started there. Now, if if they win, you know, with the quarterback they have and the team they have, it, it just doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, winning, winning uh, cures all. And, it, it, you know, it's winning is the best deodorant, as people say. Um, you know, going forward, you know, speaking of the Solomon Thomas pick, you know, yeah, in high, we can all look back 2020 um, and, and say, you know, why don't they take Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson? I was I was that fan. You know, uh, two years ago when Watson came in and started dropping bombs all over the league, and then um, living in Texas, I've seen plenty of Patrick Mahomes in the Big Twelve, so I knew what he was. Um, do you do you see a big year coming from Solomon Thomas? All the reports out right now, he's in great shape. He's mentally, you know, he's he's gotten his he's a little bit more stable now. He's you know he's he's adjusted to what has happened in his family, um, and, and is making some strides. Lynch has said as much. Where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, and, and also appreciate you guys, you know, for, um, you know, sharing our story and, and pubbing the different parts of it, because in the moment, obviously, the 
what tended to get a lot of uh, attraction when they were uh, the coach and GM are asked about it is, you know, the aspect on the, the scouting department when, you know, that's just one part of a 7,000 word story, whatever it was. And, and, and probably what stood out you know, to me, you know, the moment and all the reporting for this story that just kind of made my jaw drop was Solomon Thomas. And, and, and the fact that John Lynch basically saved this guy's life. I mean, he yeah. said that, that he was at a point midway through last year um, when he, he just saw no point in life. You know, he asked himself, did I lose my love of football? And that wasn't it. He lost his passion for life. And the fact that John Lynch could identify that, pull him aside in the cafeteria, talk to him, get him hooked up with a therapist and turn this guy's life around. You know, that's bigger than anything you could ever talk about football. Now, I, I think that as a football player, Solomon Thomas kind of put it best, like your mind is the most in, important oh, part of your body, the important muscle, bone, whatever. You know, if, if your mind isn't right, nothing else is going to work. His mind just wasn't right last year. And he really thinks that he's himself again. I mean, and, and working with a therapist and literally going into a room and screaming at the top of his lungs and unleashing all that, that anger, that, that, that sadness, that storm within helped. And, and on the field, my gosh, he's got DeForest Buckner next to him. He's got Nick Bosa. He's got a ton of I mean, D Ford, a ton of talent and a new defensive line coach. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the videos of this guy. I mean, it makes you want to run through. Well, I think there was one mm -hmm. video, maybe you guys posted it. Was it ball with a ball that was playing in the background too? Yeah, I did. I shared that video out today. Um, one of the team reporters <laughs> at it, and Chris Kosarek is just going bananas trying to get these guys off. Oh, my God. Dude, I wanted, I wanted to lift some weights or something after hearing that. That was, that was <laughs> awesome. So they've got um, – I mean, they've, they've got the right ingredients. And, and John Lynch said, like, this is how he wanted to build the defense. You know, back in Tampa Bay, it started up front. Simeon Rice, Warren Sapp, Chidi Hanatu, all those guys that had in Tampa. Um, that they're trying to, to build that in San Francisco. So, you know, maybe a little pressure can mitigate some concerns on the back end. But, yeah, Solomon Thomas is, is a huge, huge part of that. And I think when those rumors were swirling in the spring that the 49ers were maybe looking to shop Thomas, it was, it's interesting that Lynch just brought him right in the office and said, absolutely not true, you're staying here. Um, if he's going to succeed, I, I think he's now in a position to, to absolutely succeed. Yeah, and I think you touched on a really good point where you during the article, and like you said, everybody latched on to the clickbaity stuff and didn't really get into the meat of what you wrote because the whole article itself is really well done. Um, and the Appreciate thing that was was Ruben Foster and how the team kind of handled him, and maybe they were a little bit too close to him. And, you know, the team learned a big lesson with that one and then kind of turned that around and, and learned how to approach Solomon Thomas without crossing that same line. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. I mean, I think that there were a, a lot of people on staff that, that saw that relationship that Lynch and Shanahan had, Shanahan had with, with Ruben Foster and were, were like, what, what the hell is this? I mean, this isn't, this is not normal. This is strange. He's in these meetings, these draft meetings and, you know, John Lynch is asking him about prospects, you know, and, and, and a lot of it's just kind of like, you know, I don't think they're taking Ruben Foster's draft analysis and, and putting it on paper and applying it to the draft picks. But, you know, I think that some folks look at this employer employee relationship and saw that line get, getting a little blurred with Ruben Foster. And, you know, the other way to look at it is, man, San Francisco did everything in their power to make it work with this, this player who has a checkered pass to say the least. And, 
it didn't work out. It blew up in their face. So at least, you know, at least they, they tried. Um, and Fred Warner drafting him kind of alleviates the sting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about another major personnel blunder. I mean, in the draft room, when they took Foster, the plays were ballistic. Yeah. And I, I was on the, um, the train of going ballistic with Foster being selected, <laughs> you know, and I, I think, you know, uh, Kyle Shannon took the, the front office took some heat for paying Quan Alexander what they paid him, but they have, they're chasing their mistakes there though. You know, you have to, when you miss on a guy, you trade back into the first round, you miss on a guy, you have to go re, you know, spend a little extra to bring in another guy at the linebacker position. So, you know, you, you, you kind of have to catch up there. And that same applies to, you know, the Solomon Thomas pick where you have to go get D Ford and, and, and a Nick Bosa, where would this team be had they selected Jamal Adams in year one? And then, you know, maybe they weren't as successful and then they would have got, you know, a Bradley Chubb the last season. You know what I mean? Like those things would have been there. Right. Um, but in your article, you know, you, you spoke to a lot of players who, who, who is the most interesting outside of Sherman? I know Sherman always has really good quotables and um, he's a very intelligent man, but who, who was, who was next in line on that list there? Yeah. I mean, Sherman's the best. I mean, really it's, you know, part of me wishes we could have just ran that whole conversation as a, as a Q and A. I mean, everything the guy says is is enlightening, well thought out, engaging. I mean, I, I you know, even on the rules today in the NFL and and, and the new uh, fact that you can challenge defensive pass interference. I mean, just a really smart take there. But yeah, I like the way you posed that because that's the easy answer. I'd say, uh, boy, next to next to Richard Sherman. Um, uh, and Solomon Thomas is, you know, his, his story is just is just remarkable. I, I was surprised at Fred Warner's just general confidence. And to be honest, this is a player I knew next to nothing about. I mean, I knew he went to BYU and I knew he had a bunch of tackles and kind of <laughs> thrust into that role. But just to hear a young player, whatever he is, 23, 24 years old, um, speaking with that much confidence and, and not batting an eye when you ask him if he's Super Bowl or bust and you know, he said he wants to go down as the best linebacker ever at this level, and that's the goal at every level he's been on. It's, uh, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, this is a guy that they're really counting on. You need a player with that kind of bite to, to speak this stuff into existence. And, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, obviously talk is cheap, but I think with this team, whether it's Warner, Garoppolo, Sherman, you know, even uh, even a guy like Dante Pettis, who's a little more soft-spoken, they, they kind of know that this it takes a lot of work if you're going to talk this way. It takes a lot of work to achieve these goals, and I just don't I don't get the sense that this is a team just looking for headlines, and you know that this is just a bunch of uh, you know smoke. You know, I, I think I think this is this is real, and that they believe it, and that with a guy like Richard Sherman on defense, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo on offense, two two players that you know, literally never leave the facility. I mean, Garoppolo was there 12, 13 hours a, a day when he didn't even need to be at the facility. Uh, I, think they're, I think they're backing it up. I think that this is a team that can legitimately contend. Yeah, I think last year we saw, like I said, everybody was riding the hype train. And I think the team was kind of buying their own stock a little bit too much. And they got a little bit ahead of themselves. Um, but switching gears from the players to John Lynch. Now, a lot of people think that John Lynch might be more of a used car salesman, figurehead kind of guy um, who's just there, who, who's the media personality that Kyle Shanahan isn't. You know, the guy that's there to shake hands and kiss babies. And, like, I mean, last year before the draft, they had the coin flip with the Raiders, and there was no one more excited to be in that coin flip than John Lynch. So what's the feeling you got from him and what his overall role is with the team? 
Man, this is where you get all kinds of shades of gray because, you know, the inclination is to look at this as black and white, right? Like one guy has all the power, one guy has no power, one guy loathes the other guy. I, I don't, I didn't get the sense that any of that was, was the case. Now, it's pretty obvious Kyle Shanahan has the majority of the power, right? I mean, when, yeah. when the GM himself says they reach collaborative decisions and they challenge each other to make those decisions and there's a back and forth, a healthy back and forth, all, all that's true. But Shanahan was there first, um, was told, you know, Shanahan was who Bill Belichick called on Garoppolo. You know, he called Shanahan. I mean, that tells you a lot. I, I do think, though, and, and as we wrote, I mean, Shanahan in the draft room, you know, he definitely has final say, and a lot of his coaches have a lot more say in that room than coaches in, in other rooms do. You know, I, I think that shows that he has a, a lot of power there in, San, in Santa Clara. But I, do, I don't think that Lynch is this just figurehead that's just kind of there for show. I, I do think there's a a value a little bit to, to that even like you need, you need to have a voice for the organization, somebody that's going to rep, represent your organization. Well, I mean, the, even the source I talked to there who was fairly critical of the structure said, look, that, that matters because that really, you know, before with, with Trent Ball is as good of a scout he might've been, he didn't want to be front and center. You know, he, he didn't really embrace that. And you can always, run the risk of being a team like the Giants with the David Gettleman, you know, who's kind of had one blunder after another, and it doesn't really look good for your team. So I think in that sense, you know, Lynch is perfect. You know, he's incredibly well-spoken, um, says the right thing at the right time all the time, an engaging guy, just a friendly guy. I, I love chatting with him and being in his office. Uh, I, I do think that he does have a say, though. I think that, you know, with his defense especially, he does have his fingerprints all over, and, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a generalization, but I, the sense I get is that Shanahan has a lot to say about that offense. Lynch has a lot to say about that defense, and that's how they're going about it. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. You have a future Hall of Famer, that, you know, who was on a great defense coming, you know, through his career, and then, you know, he, he should have some input. You know, my question with him would be his safety evaluations because, you know, as a Niner fan, we're, we're looking for that free safety or it's just strong safety. And, he hasn't really made the, the the move there. Did he mention any of that kind of stuff as far as the defensive backfield? What's what what their plan is there? Was there, um, you know, did, were they even considering those type of moves in the draft or this free agency period? That's a good question. You know, as, as you're saying this, I'm I'm pulling up my old transcripts to see kind of what what didn't make the story <laughs> here. Um, from what I remember, he. No, number one, he believes he believes in Richard Sherman that that Richard Sherman is is going to be the Richard Sherman that we've all kind of known over the years. And I, I think that's huge. If, if he can just eliminate half the field, I mean that's going to go a long, long ways for this for this defense. You know, in, in terms of the other positions on the back end, you know, nothing specific from what I remember. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of young players that need to grow up fast. And in, in terms of Sherman, I mean, he said that. It's kind of funny, you know, he's, he's an older guy and people around the team are calling him uncle and say, you know, these younger players, <laughs> almost kind of like that old guy yelling at the cloud in a way, but I love it. Like, you know, these younger players, these millennials, you gotta, so you gotta talk a lot about intensity around these guys and, and keep them engaged like that. And, you know, that's, that's important. That new generation, I think a lot of teams that don't have that presence are, are worse off for it. Yeah. So, 
I man, I completely understand. Um, I went from my old job. I was one of the older guys at work, so I completely know what it's like to be <laughs> that elder statesman having to deal with a bunch of young kids uh, and have them just trying to relate to them is is something wild. So I completely understand that. Um, but so you mentioned that you parachute around from team to team. Um, so where does the culture in Santa Clara compare to, you know, some of these other teams you've been covering? I mean, even just in the last week or two, I've seen your tweets just going nuts. So you've been bounced around all over the league. So how does the culture compare? Man, um, I think that in San Francisco, I mean, this is, this is the year it's going to go one way or another. I mean, I guess that's the point of the story, you know, in terms of culture, Shanahan basically told the team this himself, like, enough about culture the culture should be set like that's done we, we got the people in here that we want to have in here it, it, it's time to win now what kind of culture is that? I just think it's a really really competent culture one that has swagger that isn't afraid to talk Super Bowl that isn't afraid to talk championships and winning doesn't care who, who hears it and they've got the players there to kind of uh embody that and but you know it's culture I mean, culture's only only as good as how many wins you get. I mean, if they go out there and they go six and ten, I mean, people are going to get fired. I mean, Fred Warner said that himself. Like, if we don't win, people are going to get fired. Now, who, who is that? I don't know. I mean, it could – I doubt it's Shanahan, but, I mean, it, who knows? It could be Lynch. If it got to that point, I wouldn't think so. I think that they do genuinely like each other. It could be Garoppolo. I mean, they could get out of his, out of his contract if he struggles. Mm-hmm. It, could be lower level guys. Maybe it's like a personnel director or something, but you know, something's going to have to happen if they lose. So I I think the culture there is to basically stare down the barrel of that reality and don't, and and not be afraid of it and and go out there and say, you're going to win call your shot and make your shot as Richard Sherman said. Yeah. The, the culture thing, you know, it's, it's been beaten it's been beaten you know beating a dead horse constantly in the last few years and you know you can see the change the, the guys are constantly the, the Niners were in, in games most of all last season and in, in their first year together with even with all the injuries and lack of competent quarterback you know you had the Brian Hoyers and the CJ Beathard first year and then Jimmy comes in then last year Jimmy's injury and then you have to go to your backup and then your undrafted free agent quarterback so I mean in, you know in this piece I'm with you you know the, I, the culture seems like it's um it's really confident and all the videos are kind of confirming that, especially with the Sherman thing. Um, he looks to be back to hundred percent. Um, have you had a chance to, um, be at any of these practices or just watching all these the clips like the rest of us? Yeah. You know, I, I've been in, um, in Cleveland early on, uh, for training camp. So in terms of the Niners, I've, I've just kind of been following along, along with you guys. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't have the benefit of watching a team day in and day out and kind of tracking that that evolution. But, you know, being able to kind of compare to answer your first question there, it's, you know, I live here in Buffalo, like I was telling you, and man, I, I, it's just, you don't hear um, players and coaches in the, in the media talking that way at, at all in Buffalo. I, I feel like if, if somebody said what Fred Warner says or Richard Sherman or, you know, even Dave Pettis, any of these guys, that they probably would have got called to, you know, the principal's office and been reprimanded by Sean McDermott. Like (laughs) we don't, we're not in the business of predictions and, you know, that that robotic NFL culture that uh, it's just enough. I I just don't think we're that important in the media. Who who cares if something's out there? Like just 
say what you believe. I mean, and that, that's what was awesome about these guys. I mean, they, they believe it. And I, I guess that's where maybe you do see a little bit of a difference is they're not afraid <laughs> to say what, what they really think. And on other teams, that's not the case. All right. So, I, I mean, I think we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But so you're saying that Sean McDermott and the Bills aren't in the uh, – in the business of making predictions, but we're going to put you on the spot <laughs> and we're going do to do give it. us a prediction for the 49ers this year. Where do you think they end up? Is this boom or is this bust? I think it's boom. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I guess I was going to throw a record your way. We'd go, you know, 10 and six, 11 and five. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a believer. I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan is, is going to be the absolute best Jimmy Garoppolo he could be and you saw little teasers here and there and you know all of it's with that caveat of injuries right I mean if they, if they lose a few guys I don't know if they have the, the depth that other teams have but, mm-hmm. but I don't know I mean we, we always see the Super Bowl hangover in teams I think the Rams are are kind of primed to, to maybe take that that step back maybe even a bigger step back than people expect yeah I think the Niners see an opportunity and Lynch, Lynch has said as much too he sees an opportunity and I think the NFC West is is open. There's a, there's a crack in that window of the the Rams and the Seahawks, and the Niners could sneak in there and and uh, make a push. Yeah. I mean, I love the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. I feel oh, like yeah. he's just. I mean, he's just way better than he gets gets credit for. They they hardly throw the ball at all, and his numbers are just <laughs> insane through the roof. <laughs> exactly. It's it's amazing, and and you know to transition out of the Legion of Boom like they have with these drafts. I mean, that's. That's what I think gives you pause if, if you're the 49ers. You just look at the last three drafts by Seattle versus the last three drafts by San Francisco, and it's, it's really not close. And, and you know, in, in terms of value, I mean, obviously the 49ers have had higher picks, but and Seattle, while being good, has still drafted really well to not just crash back to earth when they let the Earl Thomases and Richard Shermans and Cam Chancellors and all these guys go. So I still like Seattle in that division to win it and maybe can contend just a notch above the 49ers but um but man if all goes right the 49ers they, they've, they've got the talent yeah I know we're super excited to get the season roll and training camp being back is is just a little bit of a a moose bouche for us a nice little bite that we're ready to kind of take down and go on from here but Tyler we want to thank you so much for joining us this has been awesome it's been great insight and, and like I said we really wanted to shed some light on some of the the better parts of the article that weren't so clickbaity Oh, hey, really appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you understand it and, you know, what's going to get shared and aggregated and talked about it because, I mean, it is important. Like, I think we rewrote it for a reason that this could be something that, you know, leads to bigger problems. But, you know, I appreciate you guys kind of looking at the story um, on, on the whole and, and getting into these other parts because I, uh, I think there's a lot that goes into this team and, and definitely – a lot to be excited about you know it's it's rare to hear a team talk like this yeah we're excited as fans and you know um we you know we appreciate you coming on with us and the the piece is great we're, we're gonna keep sharing it you know I, I read it and was you know fully engulfed in it you know it took a little while it is pretty long but it, it's worth a, a read um but tyler we do thank you again uh tyler if you want to go ahead and plug yourself here where, where can the, everyone find you sure and you got it thanks so much for having me on guys um just on Twitter, uh, at Ty Dunn, two wins and an E. 
All right. Well, we do appreciate you coming on with us at the fourth and gold podcast. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully. Sounds good. Anytime guys. Good luck to them. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. All right. Thanks.